the lens through which we view. Roy did a great job finding, a, finding something for us today. I mean, isn't that what Facebook is for some of us, or Instagram, or Snapchat, or TikTok, or YouTube? They tend to be a lens through which we view life, correct? Some of us put a lot of stock in what's there. I've got several different types of lenses here, you know, like binoculars. They don't work so good in, indoors, though. I've tried. Makes Everything's kind of blurry. Uh, camera, you know, different types of lenses that go on a camera. In fact, I've got two different styles of cameras here. You know, one's instant, one's not. Well, okay, in this day and age, I guess this one's kind of instant, too, but not as instant as this one. Um, but, but, but think about the lenses in, in how we view life. Where we're all wearing our pink shirts today, and, and we picked the saying on them on purpose because... We've been, like I said before, we've been studying apologetics, and it's, it's how we view, and Ken Ham has been talking about how we view the world. Uh, Answers in Genesis is, is what he founded several years ago, um, over three or four decades ago. Um, he's a Christian apologetic, uh, apologist, but, but he teaches us to think not so much what to think, but how to think. To think differently and how to have a worldview that is what the Bible teaches. You know, I've, I've got my red dudes on today. I don't know if many of you have noticed. I've worn them a couple different Sundays before. Um, no, they don't really necessarily match today. I was going to wear my Husker pullover too. That's the reason I got the red dudes. Honestly, I bought them because they're Husker colors. Isn't that a lens sometimes how we view things? Is our favorite sports team... Yeah, and sometimes we get pretty wrapped up into that. Um, no, I'm not getting rid of them either after this, by the way. I'm still going to wear them because they're still a comfortable pair of shoes. Um, but, but sports, politics, relationships, money, work, movie, movies and books, video games, all of that stuff is a lens through which we view the world. And there's a problem with that. We, we, we tend to, to look at the world's through those viewpoints rather than through the viewpoint that God desires us to. And as we've studied apologetics, the question continues to come up, what is your worldview or how do you view the world? Do you have a biblical worldview or do you have, do you have a, a human, I mean, I mean, there's only two worldviews, correct? Students, what are they? What's the two worldviews? I said one of them. So through the world or humanistic worldview world or through the Bible. That's our two viewpoints. There's, there's, there's no other, I mean, it, it's either through, through who we are, through this, or how the world views life. So what is your view on life? What's your view on politics, on sports, on relationships, on sin? Uh, we talked about the bottles today. What's your view on abortion? Or helping those that, that got pregnant out of wedlock or, or, or other for other reasons, um, it's to help them. What's your view on that? What's your view on sex? What's your view on the origin of life? What's your view on work, money? You can fill in lots more blanks. I think most or all of us would say that we have a biblical worldview. Would you, would you agree? Do you guys have a biblical worldview? Yeah, you can nod your heads. That's okay. I think most of us would say we have a biblical worldview. Now, where would you say that view came from? We asked, this, we asked all the students the same question, and what was our conclusion? 
Where does our worldview come from most generally? Our parents. Our parents is oftentimes where our views are formed. Even some of the views my parents have, I still hold today. That doesn't mean that they're always right, though. Doesn't mean that the views that our parents have are always right. It doesn't mean that they're not right either, y'all. Just saying. Just because we say we have a biblical worldview doesn't mean that we view the world through the eyes of the Bible any more than what our parents believe being right or wrong. And I think we need to define that. Why is it important that, that we have a lens of the Bible to view the world? Well, because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and we oftentimes bring our own thinking and our own thought process into what this says rather than saying, okay, God, clear my mind and my heart and let me soak up what you are saying from your word. Now let me go out from here and view the world properly. Because we run to sin and we do not run to God. God turns to us. He has sought us out. In fact, to start out the youth group year, I, I like to wrap up what we did for youth group in, in, in just one more time of talking to these seniors and go back through. If you remember, we started out the year with a, a video series called Awaken, uh, a, a youth pastor by the name of, of um, Hort is his last name. I cannot remember his first name right now. Uh, but, but he talked to us about being awakened to God, being dead to sin, but awakened to God. We need to be, we need to be awakened to God and dead to sin. And that starts with the proper view from here. Because, and he said in that, that we naturally run to sin. We don't run to God. That is who we are as humans, unfortunately. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross for us. We're easily deceived by the enemy or lulled to sleep by the enemy into thinking, that our, into thinking that our thinking is biblical and that that is enough. That we don't need to have any deeper into our thinking other than, well, the Bible says this is right, so this is what's right. Rather than turning to this and saying, how do I interpret the world through the eyes of the Bible? It's the lens through which we view when in reality, God has called us to a much higher standard in every area of our lives, one in which we live according to God's word, not just parts of it. Let's look at Colossians 2, 6 through 10. Um, it's going to be up on the screen. Uh, you can follow along. This is the New Living Translation. Uh, most of my verses today are from the New Living Translation. I just, I love the way it reads. So, Colossians 2, 6 through 10 says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Let's also look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, again in the New Living Translation. It's going to be up on the screen again. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. I think that's a good plea for our seniors. It's a good plea for all of us to give our bodies to God. Uh, he says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he, God, will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, from these two passages of Scripture, there's, come, there's several actions for us to take part of it and, and to do. Uh, today, I want to focus on three of them. And the first of those is don't be deceived from Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Don't be deceived. That's your first blank if you're wondering. Uh, don't be deceived. Colossians 2.8 says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. You know, there's a lot to capture our attention, a lot of different lenses that we could put on and, and look at the world through. Um, there, there's a lot of people with great thoughts, and, and they talk of love and peace. They have great intentions, but, man, down through the ages... Some of those people have, have, have led so many astray. And I'm sure right now, especially the older people in the room can think of, of a few names that pop to your mind that have led people astray. Um, how well do you know God's Word? Seniors, I think this is a good question for you. Whether you're graduating from college, whether you're graduating from high school, or somewhere in between, how well do you know? So... One of the studies we did was on John 7, 14, 7, the word no. I think I said this a few weeks ago. There's, there's two words for no that Jesus used, gnosko and oida. So students, how well do you gnosko the Bible? How intimate are you with the Bible? Because this is key going forward for your life. Same for us as adults. Same for moms. Same for dads. Same for the single people in the room. All of us need to have a deep, intimate relationship with God and His Word versus oida, which is just having a head knowledge. It's just superficially understanding, saying, yeah, I have this worldview that's kind of based on the Bible, but um, we don't stop and really think about the things we're saying and the things that we're giving into. And lots of times our worldview ends up becoming a humanistic worldview rather than a biblical worldview truly. How many of us apply God's word to all situations in our life? Some of us will say, oh, yeah, I definitely do. But really stop and think. How many of us really apply God's word to every aspect of our lives? To where it oozes out of the pores of our body. Even the little tear ducts of your eyes. How many of us really apply all of God's word in all situations? How many of us are led by human thinking rather than by godly thinking that comes from the Bible? And it's easy for us as Christians to think, oh, I definitely have a Christian way of thinking or a biblical way of thinking. And most of the time, I think we do. But I think if we stop to examine our lives, we'll realize that, that actually more of the world is in us than we really think is. It's easy because we sit at church or because we grew up in church to think that we have this biblical worldview and really the world has more in us than what we think it does. As I read Colossians 2.8, I think about evolution and the days of creation and how so many Christians, pastors included, have fallen to the worldly perspective that man's thinking of how we got here can and should be plugged into Scripture. I'm talking about evolution. There's lots of churches that, that believe that, that evolution should be part of the Bible. But why don't we take Genesis 1 literally? Uh, this is part of what we've been learning is, is why don't we take Genesis 1 literally as a, as a literal six 24-hour days? Why, why do we not just believe that God did it in six days and be good with that? 
Why can't we believe that those days are six 24-hour days? Why would God change a day then to a day different now? Why do we take Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, the passage on how husbands and wives should treat each other and use it as a right to be selfish and self-centered with our spouses? There's lots of other scriptures we could go to. Um, I could probably think of some if I took the time. We all have lenses in how we view life. Some of us view life through the things we're going through. Uh, the problem is we don't stop, we don't process what, how, how the Bible is written and what it's saying to us. What is it really digging deep? You know, if you want to dig deep into Scripture, Logos or Faith Life um, has a free version of their their Bible program that you can tear down the scripture. There's bluebible.com, um, gate, uh, biblegateway.com is another one. If you want to dig deep into God's word, you need to, to learn how to study the words. And everybody can do this in this day and age. Those, those programs are phenomenal at walking you through scripture and, and, and how the, the words are used. Change the lens in how you view the world. You know, we don't stop and, and take time when we are pushed by the times, the world, politics, life, to say, God, how do you want me to respond? I know there's lots of times that I just, I hear something going on in the news and I just respond how every other human responds or how a lot of other humans respond, rather than stopping and saying, what does your word really say about this? Is the view I have in life and of the world from you and your word, or is it made up of what other humans say and think? Now, honestly, Colossians, if you read all of Colossians 2, really has a flavor of talking of theological things. But really, I think that's what we're talking about today, is having a worldview that, that we don't allow the world to dictate what our theology is. Because that, that's what we're learning in youth group, is how to think, not what to think. So, does your theology come from here or does it come from the professors that you learn from or the teachers that you have in school? Does it come from your parents? You know, sometimes parents get the Bible wrong. Sometimes the pastors can get things wrong. Hopefully not. Hopefully we've done our due diligence and study, but it happens. How do you view the world? What's the lens through which you view the world? I wonder how many of us have let the influence of the world persuade us in our biblical thinking rather than letting biblical thinking tell us how to live in this world, which brings us to the second action, don't conform. Romans 12, 2a says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Well, social media is one of those big patterns. It's easy to fall into. It's easy to get our mind wrapped up in doing that. Um, don't do it. Stop letting the world tell you how to live. Stop letting your body tell you how to live. Stop letting the sports writers and the social media groupies, your friends, pastors, philosophers. We need to be a church like the church at Berea in Acts 17, where whatever is preached up here on a Sunday, you go home and study it for yourself and say, was Pastor David right? Was Pastor Brandon right? Was Pastor Michael right? And how they presented that? Is that really what the scripture said? That's what the church of Berea did, and they were commended for it. 
That's the type of church we need to be. Not just giving in to what we hear. When will we as a church say enough is enough and step up? When will we as individuals step up and say, I'm not going to conform to this world. Stay away from this world and its trouble. This is not what what God wants for you or from you. But instead, he goes on to say in Romans 12 to be transformed. Uh, Let's look at the first part of of, of Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Uh, uh, He says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Man, it has taken almost 42 years for me to really get a grasp on letting my roots grow deep into Jesus. And, and I don't know if it's every week. The kids could tell you if it's every week. But almost every week I tell the kids, don't do the super stuff I did. Let yourselves grow up into Christ. Let your roots grow deep now. So that when you get older, you, you, you have a way of fighting off the schemes of the devil. Uh, Romans 12.2 says... Uh, the last part of that says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We have talked in this church about those acceptable sins. Remember last summer? Uh, I think a lot of us went out and bought steel-toed boots, and we had to buy extra steel to put on the boots because God was really stepping on our toes with, with the messages about acceptable sins. Uh, for For a recap on these, uh, I'm going to read them. Uh, Entitlement, pride, selfishness, ungodliness, unthankfulness, anxiety, frustration, discontentment, impatience, irritability, anger, judgmentalism, sins of the tongue, lack of self-control, envy, jealousy, worldliness. And when you break all those down and you go back through Jerry Bridges' book called Acceptable Sins and read through those chapters again, you see just how much of the world is actually still inside of us and how much we need Jesus. And, and that, honestly, that book last summer was probably the biggest wake-up call I think I've ever had in my Christian walk with God, aside from my moment of salvation. Because it made me stop and think. I mean, entitlement. I'm not entitled. Okay, well, I didn't like that call that the ref just made, so I yelled at him. Uh, I mean, Pastor David went all over that with the sports stuff, and we're really good with sports of thinking we're entitled to a better call than we got or a better position on the floor or, or playing different, a different position or playing more than what we are or playing on a different team than what we're playing on. We all do. We all get wrapped up into what the world says is right and okay. But let God transform you from the inside out. Let him change the way you think. As he changes how you think, you will begin to act differently and think differently. Let your roots grow down deep into Christ. That's, that's, the, one, that's the one part of this that, that I really think just hits home for me is let your roots grow deep into Christ. Unless our roots grow deep, we will continue down a path of worldliness and acceptable sins and living for ourselves. The world will continue to influence us and our thinking will continue to be far away from God. If we let the world tell us how to interpret the Bible rather than the Bible tell us how to interpret life, our worldview will continue to be skewed. Again, Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Do you know, do you recognize all that God has done for you? He gave up His only Son to live a human life, to die on a cross, to be buried just as a human is buried, so that we could be free of sin. And then, in the power of God, He was raised on the third day. Because it's in the power of the resurrection that we can change our viewpoint. We can change the lens through which we view. See, we all struggle to give God us. We struggle to let go of the world inside of us. We all have a natural affinity to run to that. It's true. Stop and think about your life. I've often used this, and maybe I've even from here, but C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. How many people have read it? If you haven't, pick it up. It's a conversation between uh, two demons, an uncle who is the elder, who's the elder demon and his nephew, the younger. And the elder is mentoring the younger in how to tempt a man. Very fascinating. And when you read that book and you stop and think, oh, yeah, I've been tempted like that. Oh, I've been tempted. Oh, I've been tempted like that. Always changing tactics. But if this is the lens in how we view what we do and who we are in our world, it's really hard for the enemy to be able to change his tactics and tempt us. He'll try. He'll try to tempt us, but it's difficult for him to make us fall, to get us to fall. Jesus in John 17, 14 through 19 said, we are not of this world, but we were to remain here anyways. Um, as I think about letting our, our roots grow deep, um, his book, uh, Disciples Are Made Not Born, Walter Hendrickson says this. Um, says, the prophet Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I, did not, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. Jeremiah 15, 16. Do you have an insatiable appetite for the word of God? Do you crave it like you crave food? Are you in submission to the authority of the word of God? Because this is, this is really what our viewpoint comes down to. If, if we allow the world to dictate our viewpoint and then come back to Scripture and plug some of the world into Scripture, we start undermining the authority of God's word. That's at the heart of what, of what the enemy is trying to do. When you look at, at, at how we attack abortion and, and we attack evolution and we attack all of the, the teachings of the world, they're an attack on the first 11 chapters of the Bible. In the beginning, God. That's where it starts. If we undermine that and don't take that as literal, then we undermine the rest of Scripture and the authority that God has placed in the rest of Scripture. A carpenter whom I have known for years averages 10 hours each week in Bible study. This man has never gone to college or Bible school. He is not a learned scholar, but for him the Scriptures have a place of authority. He says, I believe it was St. Jerome, and it is, I, I verified it, who said that, the scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever touching the bottom. Let me read that again. The scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever touching the bottom. The Bible is shallow and deep all at the same time. 
Ravi Zacharias, the late Ravi Zacharias, uh, lots of years ago in, in Leadership Magazine, did, did an interview with Dave Getz. And, and this is what he had to say about really us, the people in the pew. He says, many people in the pew see Christianity as disjointed from their day-to-day life. They see it as one aspect of their lives, something they do in addition to everything else. Nothing is connected for them in life. There is no unity in the diversity of roles we play. At the heart of what he's saying is, we come to church on Sunday and we disjoint it from the other six days. When I read this, oh, it's been probably 10 years ago, it made me really stop and think about my life and how I did life. And I find it to be true. It's been true, like I said, in my own life. When I started my handyman business a couple years ago, I sat down and said to myself that I would run this business as a man of God, not as the world runs a business. It means I'm not going to work on Sundays. I'm going to do my best to keep that out of there, to have a day of rest. Um, that means exactly how I handled the finances of that, not having credit, um, doing the things that God says are, are a good thing versus not a good thing, and, and taking that into business. It can be done. It can be done. And I believe God blesses that too. So take that to the other aspects of your life. Take that to your aspect at school, as a junior hire or a senior hire, as a teacher, as a farmer, as a retired person, as a stay-at-home mom or dad, as a mother, as a father, as a brother, as a sister. How does God's word influence my life? Let your roots grow deep into Christ. Let your mind be transformed by him. Why don't you, worship team, go ahead and, and come on up. Let's look at two more passages real quick as we, as we tie this together. Uh, this is the mindset of Jesus. This is how we let the roots grow deep. Because we are, need to let our minds be transformed by him, as Romans 12, 2 says. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, up on the screen. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then Colossians 3, 1 through 4, we, we read a couple of those verses earlier. They're what's in the, the students' Bibles. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Jesus Christ is the real deal. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord, that he is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's, that's the simpleness of salvation. And from that moment on, we begin to have a changed mind, a changed viewpoint about life. We need to have a changed viewpoint. Let your roots grow down deep. Jesus gave it all up. He had the rights but came to take your place on a cross. Look to heaven. Think heavenly, biblical thoughts rather than humanistic world thoughts. 
Be transformed, letting your roots grow down deep into Christ. Think as he would, not as a human would. Develop a worldview that is based solely on the Bible, not a biblical worldview based on what you hear and see around you. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your word. Thanks for, thanks for the mission that you've given us. Thanks for the passion you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would ignite a deep flame, a deep tinder inside of us that we cannot put out. Uh, a thirst inside of us that is unquenchable for your word, for you, for a worldview that screams of you. That we would not let the world influence our thinking when it comes to our theology, when it comes to how we view life. But that we would pass the inspection of, of running all that we say and do through your word. Thanks for loving us, God. Thanks for these youth and their uh, their accomplishments. Thanks for these seniors and their accomplishments, both, both high school and um, um, college. God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that they would cling to you, that they would dive deep into you, and that their roots would grow deep. Thanks so much for loving us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.